It's not just about mastering technology. It's not just about brand or messaging. It's not just about making more money. It's about showing up in a big way so your people can find you. This is about bringing your most wild and authentic self into the hustle and grind. Welcome to Tactical Magic, a business strategies podcast for the warrior goddess entrepreneur. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tactical Magic. I am Molly Mandelberg, your host, and I have a wonderful man here with me today, Michael Neely. Michael was pivotal in me launching this podcast, actually. He gave me an amazing rundown on how exactly to launch a podcast effectively. So I'm really excited to finally have him on the show and share some of that magic with all of you because people keep asking me about it as they launch their new podcasts. And Michael Neely is a mentor and business strategist for visionary solopreneurs. He's a former professional actor, which I did not know before right now, and medieval knight, which is awesome, um, as well as an author and speaker. And he hosts the podcast Consciously Speaking, By This, Not That, and Something to Whine About. A member of the Screen Actors Guild, Michael has appeared in feature films with Mel Gibson and Kevin Costner, performed off-Broadway with Andre Brower and Kathleen Chalfant, and had reoccurring roles in several pop popular soap operas. As the founder of the Authority Academy, Michael now trains and supports heart-centered entrepreneurs in professional speaking, virtual summits, getting published, and designing and hosting their own podcast to massively grow their business and expand their audience. Michael is also a mindset master with a gift for helping people to get out of their way. So if you're tired of being the best kept secret, Michael is your guy. Um, we'll talk more about where you can find more about him later in the show. And you can obviously in the description find links to his websites. But thanks for being on the show, Michael. Well, thank you for having me here, Molly. I'm excited to finally get to be here with your audience. Yay, it's so exciting. So tell us a little bit more about what you're working on right now and that um, Authority Academy that you're working on. Yeah, so the Authority Academy is a year-long training program that I created. And I really, you know, it's, it's like anything in this business that we're in is that some people are do-it-yourselfers. You know, you just give them the outline the blueprint or what have you and they'll go to work and do it and then others need a little more hand holding a little more processing throughout the year and so i have an upcoming event actually too called your authority blueprint live where i teach those foundational pillars of authority and how to interweave them and then for those people who want more of the hands-on stuff then those people get involved in the academy and so that's pretty much what i'm up to right now and you know getting a lot of podcasters out there launched and really having some success with it because you know, the truth is, is I'm sure you know as well, there are a lot of people who start a show and then it just kind of disappears and totally. we don't want that to happen. So We don't. Yeah. I mean, I had to take a little hiatus for my podcast, but I had so many responses coming from listeners that I'd never met before that I got recommitted to coming back and doing hopefully a never ending season two. So <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> glad that I started one and I'm glad that it got visible enough that it had feedback. But what was it like for you? Why did you start a podcast in the first place and how much has it transformed your business and your reach? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting how I started it was totally by a fluke. I was working with a client and he was having some great breakthroughs during our session. And so I asked him if it would be okay if I recorded the session and we did. And at the end we played it back and he said, uh, man, that sounds really good. You should start a podcast. And at this point, this was 2014, and I'd heard the word before, but I didn't know what a podcast was, how it worked. I'd never listened to one in my life. And then two weeks later, I launched my own. 
show. And, and uh, I didn't do it great. I didn't know, you know a fraction of the stuff that I know now, but I launched. And that was the thing. It's really not difficult to launch a podcast. And a couple months later, as my downloads started to grow, I started to really pay close attention. I'm like, wow, this could really take off. And then I got a mentor who knew podcasting. I saw a webinar that he did and I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing this all wrong. A podcast could be so much more. And so I shut down that show and relaunched, same name, but I changed the logo, changed the format, and I went to a seven-day-a-week show. And it's just taken off ever since. And so that's that was my start into podcasting. Awesome. And you've seen it, obviously, grow your reach and grow your business. And Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, we're approaching 2 million downloads, and it's been listened to in over 190 countries now. And it's just when you think about the access that we have to people, our sphere tends to be somewhat limited. If you're doing live events, you know, it's people who can make it there. If you're doing, uh, you know, live coaching with people, you're going to have to deal with people who are relatively close by until you expand that reach out to where now other people are hearing about you even in other countries. And so that's one of the great things about podcasting is your reach is not limited at all. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I think Tactical Magic is approaching 22,000 downloads now. And I mean, I think there's only 47 episodes or something like that. So that's pretty exciting to me. I don't know what that number is compared to many other, but I really haven't done much to promote it besides launching it the way that you taught me to, which we're going to talk about hopefully in a moment. And also just trying to be consistent with a show coming out every week when when I'm not in a season break. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So how does somebody know that they're ready to start a podcast? Uh, I would say the main barometer to check is if you've got a message that you're just itching to get out to the world, I would say that's step one. I mean, if, if you want to express yourself, I mean, books are great, certainly, but it's challenging to get a book. I mean, just because you write a book doesn't mean everybody's going to come flocking to your door to buy it which actually leads me to the part of why I created the podcast as well and decided to keep it going was I had been approached by a publisher and they were interested in my book. And as I'm filling out the, what they call an acquisitions questionnaire to see, you know, how they want to pursue the book. Some of the questions I came to were like, uh, how big is your mailing list? How many fans do you have on your Facebook page? How many Twitter followers do you have? And it made me start to realize, oh, wait a minute. They want me to sell my book. Mm. And so that's also why I started to decide this, the podcast is a great way to grow that platform. And so if you've got anything like that that you want to sell or promote or your message you want to get out there in a big way, podcasting is a great way to get started. I highly recommend it for anybody like that. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I watched a TED talk recently. I don't remember if you shared it with me, but you've probably seen it as well. Just talking about the difference in digesting content content when it's in a podcast form, because normally people want to judge uh, an orator on their appearance, on how they present themselves, on the platform they're speaking on. But the beauty of a podcast is unless you post it on YouTube, which I plan to do with this video, if you're watching on YouTube, hello. Um, there isn't an opportunity for people to filter you. They can only receive what they're hearing or not. And maybe they don't like the sound of your voice. Maybe they don't like what you're talking about, but there's more of an opportunity to get below those filters in a way and be heard by people who 
you may not necessarily have their attention otherwise. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things about the podcast platform is there's less opportunity to judge and more just sharing of information. And it's so easy to do. I mean, I drive cross country full time and listen to so many things on audio that aren't necessarily music. And there's just so much opportunity to share information that you're interested in that other people around the world might also be. So it's something really special in that way for people who don't read books, for people who maybe don't have time to watch video, they do still have the opportunity to digest content and you could become one of those people that they're listening to. And once you have their attention like that, like you said, there's no telling what the opportunities hold after the fact. If they're going to come to your website or check out your programs, if they're going to show up at an event of yours or even just like buy an affiliate product that you're selling. Um, It could be so many different ways that it takes off from there. Well, and that's one of the great things too about podcasting, Molly, is that it's like this. People are actually, when they click that play button, they're actually, it's like raising their hand and saying, hey, I want to hear what you've got to say. Yeah. And so that alone, I mean, they're, they're specifically choosing to listen to you. And for those people who don't even know, I, I, it um, amazes me a lot of times people when they figure out what podcast actually means, they're like, oh, that's really cool. It stands for personal on demand broadcast. And so because of the, the, especially the personal on demand part is they get to listen to you when they're ready to listen to you. Like you said, you do it when you're on a long drive. I like to listen when I'm driving as well. And, and they're reaching out and saying, I want to hear what you've got to say. And then the relationship is super intimate, too, because you're coming right into their ears. Often they're listening in earbuds if they're out for a run or jog or working out. And when you're in the car, often they're listening to it alone. And so it's just you and them. I mean, they may have another partner in the car with them who likes the same podcast potentially, but your audience is really small and intimate. And that builds the no like trust factor massively in a really rapid way too. So that's That's one of the great things about podcasts. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about, I hadn't even heard that as what podcasts stood for. So I'm learning stuff too. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just get into it because I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm really excited to share it with my audience. Um, There's a smart way to launch a podcast that most people don't necessarily know about. And it has to do with creating a little bit more content before you launch and throwing what's called a launch party. That's what you called it when I was asking you about it. So will you tell us more about that process and how to do it the right way? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you asked this because it is something that if you're going to launch a podcast, you want to do it upright. It's like when a new movie comes out, you know, they open and select theaters, they do a big movie premiere, they're doing all this stuff to promote it. And, uh, Imagine if you do a lot of effort to drive people to your show for your opening day, and then all you have there is one thing for them to try, one episode, well, you've lost a lot of opportunity. And so I suggest that on day one, you launch with five episodes. Now, going more than that, you tend to, it gets to be a little bit too much. People will probably not download all of them or going too much less than that. It feels like you're leaving some potential on the table. And so I think five is kind of the sweet spot. And what you do is on that one day that you set for your launch day is you get all the traffic you can get there. I suggest you start a launch team inside of Facebook. You create a Facebook group and invite people to be a part of your launch team. And you let them know that on that day, it's only going to take them five to 10 minutes. All they've got to do is go to your show and Apple podcasts and they need to subscribe, rate it, 
give it a short review. It doesn't even matter what they say. The review can simply be, this show is great. Because the algorithm within Apple Podcasts is just tabulating subscribers, ratings, reviews, and then downloads. And have them download all of the shows that you put there. So if you've got, let's say, hypothetically, you drive 1,000 people there on day one. Well, if you only got one episode showing, that's 1,000 potential downloads. But now if you've got five episodes there, that's 5,000 potential downloads. And the algorithm inside of Apple Podcasts is measuring this. How, you know, where are you at point zero? Let's call this day zero. And then at the end of day one, how much did you increase? And because of that, you can actually surpass shows that have massive audiences because they've kind of plateaued. You know, they're not really having a lot of new growth, but you come in and skyrocket on one day, get a ton of new subscribers, a bunch of new downloads, and this will project you to the top of the charts in Apple Podcasts. Now, let me backtrack a little bit to why is this so important? Well, Apple Podcasts contributes, as far as all downloads go, 60% of them are occurring within Apple Podcasts, Apple Core Media. And part of that's because that's where it originated and every you know, iPhone out there now has the podcast app player. And so they've, they've built a lot of listenership. The other 40% after that is made up of Spotify at around 7%, Pandora around four or 5%. And then the rest are tiny little percentages. But if 60% of your audience is tuning in in Apple Podcasts, you want to focus there and you want to have a big splash on that screen when your show comes out. And because of that, what will happen is you will get what we call organic reach. Now, obviously, your friends and family, they're going to tune in. They love you. You've told them about it. They're going to be your early subscribers. But what about the people who don't know you, don't know any of your friends, don't know you from Adam? The only way they're really going to find you is if they're in Apple Podcasts. Again, 60% of all podcast downloads are happening there. They're scouring through and looking for a new show, potentially. Like maybe the show they like just, you know, finished their season. And now they want to have some other stuff to fill the gap. Well, if you rank, you will get noticed. That's where that's the only way, really, unless someone's specifically looking for you. You're not going to be found unless you rank in the new and noteworthy, in the what's hot section, or in the top 200 podcasts of your category. And coming onto the scene with a launch strategy is a great way to get noticed right away, to get yourself in new and noteworthy, and to get that early exposure. Yeah, that was one of the most exciting things that got me back to recording again and doing season two is the people I would get, I still do get about one email or Facebook message or new follower or something every week messaging me saying, thank you for your podcast. I found you. I don't know how I found you. You were in my feed, whatever. So that means that I was popping up enough that they were seeing me subscribing and listening and then loving it enough to actually show up and respond, which is such a huge mm -hmm. gift. If you like content out there and you let the people who made that content know, it is a huge gift in our world to get that feedback, I just have to say. But I want to go back and talk about the iTunes step really quick because there's two things that are a little bit more intricate that um, might help you or hurt you when it comes to that launch day. Number one is you have to get the podcast approved with iTunes in advance. So whatever hosting company you're going through, um, I took Michael's recommendation and went through Libsyn, which is liberated syndication. And we can give Michael's affiliate link in the comments below or on this description of this episode so that if you want to use Libsyn, you can. But whatever hosting company you use, there's a 
uh, I don't know how many days it takes, but when you sub sort of uh, input your first episode, there's a little bit of a process to make sure that it's flowing through to iTunes because the hosting company is in charge of making sure it gets onto Spotify, making sure it gets onto whatever those podcast platforms are. And you do want to make sure you have a hosting company that's pushing to all the platforms. Um, that, that little gap in time, you don't want to set your launch date as the first day you upload something. You want to give yourself a little buffer so that your show can get approved. And in that approval process with iTunes, you're going to set your categories, which Michael also told me about. And the less generic the categories you choose, the higher your likelihood of going up in those ranks. So if you can get sort of niched down in their category system and not just go up against the like big wigs and the business standard um, field, but actually go a little bit deeper into what you actually talk about in regards to business or whatever your niche or niche is, um, that can help those rankings too. And then again, like he said, you want to have those five episodes all uploaded and you know that they're already showing up on iTunes before that launch day happens. I gave some of this advice to a friend of mine and she just launched her podcast. And when I went there on her launch day, it was only the intro episode that had gotten through to iTunes yet. So she had to sort of pause everyone and say, come back at the end of the day, the rest of them are about to show up. Um, but that's an important piece because you want all those downloads to show up. Like you said, a hundred people or a thousand people downloading five episodes is gonna give you a bigger boost and make a bigger difference in the long run. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I want to add a little bit to what you're saying there and you're spot on with that. Thank you for clarifying on that, Molly. Um, the categories just changed recently. They're doing some major shifts over there. As a matter of fact, it's not even going to be called iTunes anymore. Uh, they're separated out. And the reason they're doing this is because podcasting has become that popular. It used to be iTunes, you know, you could go in there and you could have movies and audiobooks and podcasts and your music and everything in each of those categories. Now they're breaking it all up to have Apple Podcasts be its own standalone environment. Wow. And so uh, with that, they changed the categories so that there's a lot more categories. And it is, like you said, it's important to niche down as far as you can into a subcategory. And you get to choose three that you will be competing in as well as, of course, you know, the main category of all podcasts. But the more you niche it down, the less the competition, and that's where you're going to get your exposure into the new and noteworthy and the what's hot and the top of the charts. Awesome. So production-wise, um, I mean, we could go so many directions when I just said the word production. I was like, we could talk about the technology we use. We could talk about the content creation. But um, as far as staying consistent, because you recommended to me that there be like a set time and day that my podcast goes out every week so that people who are driving to work on Tuesday know that Tuesday morning they can get Molly's new episode. Um, what do you do to make sure that you can stay consistent with a schedule like that? Because I think some of yours are even more than once a week, aren't they? Well, I've actually, I'm breaking my own rule here. I've become much less consistent with consciously speaking, of course, now that I'm at you know, episode 380 something. So uh, I don't have to worry about consistency as much now, but when you're first starting a show, the consistency is super important. It's like a television program. Imagine you're sitting down, it's, you know, Sunday night, you're going to watch Game of Thrones, you got your popcorn ready and you sit down and there's no new episode. You're probably going to be a little bummed out. Mm -hmm. And so you want to keep that schedule pretty much consistent to start with so that your audience knows that. And then over time you can shift it around and move it. 
But until you've built a good, strong following, you want to make sure that you stay pretty consistent, not to upset the cart there. Yeah. So what I've done is just book as many interviews or record as many episodes as I can for the months that, for example, I just took the month of uh, half of April and May off to go to Europe. I wanted to make sure that I sat down and had that many recordings set up, you know, described, linked, and uploaded to my podcasting platform, um, hosting platform, so that those episodes would release on the right day, even though I was off gallivanting in Europe, or for example, leaving in a few weeks to go to Burning Man, I got to make sure that this episode is set up to go out so that people are still getting that at the right time. So whether you're batching your output um, on the front end and just recording a whole ton of episodes and then scheduling them out, um, or whether you're going to stay consistent and record one every Monday so it can go out every Tuesday, I feel that's much more stressful. But the beauty of these hosting platforms is you can do that. You can set up 20 episodes to go out over the next three months, four months. Um, so make use of that. Um, don't stress yourself out and know that, you know, once you get to the point of 300 something episodes, there's a lot of material there for people to come and tap back into. I know one of the podcasts I listen to a lot is um, Smart Passive Income and I'm jumping around in there. I don't listen to the con them consecutively. I don't know that I'll ever catch up to where they are in their recordings of them, but they have so much content to pull from because they've been doing it for so long that you can go in and pick and choose the ones that are really interesting to you. Yeah, yeah. Pat Flynn's show is great. I love his work. And he was one of the people that I learned a bunch about podcasting from. And I will add to what you're saying there too, Molly, is that, you know, when you talk about production, batching, you, you mentioned a little bit of it, but batching is so important too. So you see, I've got my podcast equipment set up. I don't do this once a week. Um, you know, where I pull in, I go, okay, now I'm going to record this episode. And now this episode is going to go live tomorrow. It's nothing like that. What I actually do is I record multiple episodes at one city. And as a matter of fact, when I was doing a seven day a week show, I would record five episodes back to back and then release them over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all through a batching process that gives you that freedom and flexibility. Like you were saying to take off to Burning Man or take off to Gallivant across Europe. You have that flexibility because you've done a lot of the prep work in advance and then you just schedule it all to go out and forget about it. So it's totally. really a convenient feature of podcasting as well. It is. So I love that your mic is on screen right now too. Like I don't have my podcasting mic out right now because I've been doing so much today that I didn't go get it. Um, but do we need a fancy microphone to have a podcast? You don't. As a matter of fact, this is the Heil PR40 microphone and the Heil PL2T boom arm. It's one of the more expensive setups probably in the world of podcasting. And even at that, it's still, I think you can get it for under $400. But I only just recently started using this. I started out with a little $25, you know, headset microphone where the microphone is <laughs> built in, the little earpiece. And I quickly evolved from that though, because the sound quality wasn't good. I evolved to a Audio-Technica uh, ATR2100, which I think is a really excellent microphone for podcasting across the board. And if you were to poll every podcaster out there, I think if, and then you ranked like which microphone was used most, I think that would be the number one because it's super affordable at about $70 or less on Amazon. And it's a condenser uh, microphone. It's a dynamic microphone. It's got uh, both XLR or USB connectors to it. It's just such a versatile 
uh, tool that I think it's great for podcasting. And so ATR 2100, go for it. Awesome. Yeah. I use a Yeti microphone, which was, I think around a hundred dollars too. And I love it. It's just really big and bulky. So I don't always (laughs) go grab it, but I ought to, it would improve the sound quality of this show. I'll commit to that for the future, everyone. Um, also on the lines of production, when you've got so many podcasts happening and I know you're a busy guy and I travel full time around the world and also I'm running my business in addition to creating a podcast and YouTube channel and all those things. So I was really excited to finally find a virtual assistant who could support me in the production process. What I love about my podcast right now is I basically get to just record these episodes and hand them off to my team and that creation, you know, putting the intro and the outro on it, making sure the image exists, that the, the description and the links are all placed in the right place, and that it gets scheduled out onto Libsyn. Um, I don't have to handle much of that at all anymore. So I'm curious, did you do that all yourself at one point? How long did you go before you started handing it off? And how much of it have you handed off now? Yeah, you know, I've kind of run the gamut there, Molly. I started out doing it all on my own. And this was, mind you, a seven day a week show. So it was pretty crazy. And then I found a team to work with and I farmed it out, did that for a little while. But I started feeling like they were doing a great job, but I still felt like I wanted a little more control of it. I wanted to, you know, there were parts when I go, you know what, I would probably have deleted that sentence or that part of that sentence or something like that. And so I, I took back control and I started doing them on my own again. And especially it's easier now that I'm down to just one episode a week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I still do pretty much all of mine myself. Occasionally I'll farm out some of it, but I, I like to keep my hands in it. That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah. So it's good if you need to hand something off because it's too much of a to do for you to stay consistent, then get support. And if you want that creative control back and you know, nobody's going to edit the way you were going to edit, then do it yourself. That's awesome. Is there anything else people need to know about the podcasting stuff before we talk more about you? Yeah. Let me just think of a couple of things off offhand that I think are important, especially if somebody is let's call it podcast curious, if you will. Um, a lot of people think, oh, well, iTunes, you got to post your, your, you, iTunes is like this hosting platform and they're not. You said it right when you talked about Libsyn being a hosting platform. iTunes or what's now Apple Podcasts are simply what's known as a podcast aggregator, which is like the library. The library doesn't publish the books, but you go to the library to get your books. Well, mm-hmm. podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts is an aggregator. And there are lots of aggregators. And I would say anybody who says, well, I don't want to be on Apple Podcasts, then I would say almost like you don't really have a podcast. Because if 60% of the downloads are coming from there, and that's just directly from Apple Podcasts, there's another 20% or so that are from other aggregators that do what's called scraping. And that means as soon as your show goes to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, they are going to connect and download it for their platform as well. So they're scraping it from that RSS feed. You don't have to sign up with them. It just happens in the background. And so if you're not getting it there, that's another 20% you're losing. So you're losing 80% of your potential audience if you don't have your show submitted to iTunes. Now beyond that, uh, Spotify and um, what's the other Pandora have just recently added podcasts. And so that's starting to grow and their market share of podcast listenership is starting to grow because they're such easy platforms. 
and they're going to be more popping up over time. We've got Google Play Music and iHeartRadio and Radio.com and all of these other places to listen, but your platform is still, you just upload it to one spot and then it gets distributed out once everything is set up properly and you don't have to do those individually. So I just want to clarify that as part one. And it also reminded me another piece of what you talked about earlier that I, I didn't fully address for people. And that is, yes, when you do your launch, anticipate that when you submit your show to iTunes or Apple Podcasts for approval, they say it could take up to five business days. I've seen it take anywhere from as fast as 12 hours to get approval to two weeks. And so you don't want to kind of set a date without leaving yourself some time in there. Now, it doesn't mean you have to have all five episodes to actually do your submission. You really only need to have one episode. You got to have your artwork in there and you got to fill out the details, but that's essentially it. Then once it's approved, then you can zip in the other episodes and go, here's a launch date. Cause quite yeah. frankly, uh, even though it would be live, let's say they approve it right away, but you didn't set your launch date for three or four days after. Well, nobody knows your show is sitting there. You don't have to worry about tons of people downloading because they're waiting. And then you hit the launch day and have everybody come in all at once. So don't let that panic you. It's better to have a little safety cushion and have your show up there and approved in iTunes before you actually start your launch. Absolutely. And you can start building the launch party like in the Facebook group and inviting people to it and building the hype before all those steps are complete. Like what if you build the hype, build the group, invite your friends to it, invite them to invite their friends who are podcast listeners to it, share that post all over Facebook. And then it'll be really exciting in that group when the launch day gets announced, like big announcement, put this date on your calendar. Here's the five things you need to do in five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So don't feel like you have to wait for everything until that moment, but definitely make sure that it's, gone all the way through to iTunes until you set the launch date, which yeah, I think I had to push my launch date back a couple of days because it was a little bit trickier than I thought, but hopefully it's going to be easier now because iTunes is focusing on just having that or Apple podcast platform. Yeah. Well, and one thing to watch out for, and they even tell you this right up front is that if you're doing it around the holidays, around Thanksgiving or Christmas, New Year's, there's going to be delays. And it's partially because the staff there is taking vacations. And so just understand that if you're going to launch around one of those holidays, that it might take another you know, few days to get your show uh, live. Yeah, I think mine was right after New Year's, too. So that's probably why it took a few extra days. That could be it. Yeah, cool. So you mentioned your event you have coming up that who's right for that? Who should show up to that? Yeah, it, if you are what I call a visionary solopreneur, and by solopreneur, it doesn't mean you don't have a team and you work all alone. It simply means that you are the face and the name of your business. And to me, that makes you a solopreneur, whether you've got 10 people working for you or 20 people. And so if you are a visionary solopreneur, this event would be for you. What I teach at Your Authority Blueprint Live is the four foundational pillars of building your authority. And by that, I mean going from the best kept secret to the go-to expert in your field. And those four foundational pillars that I teach you how to interweave are podcasting, virtual summits, speaking from stage, and getting published. And when you interweave those, they become exponentially more powerful because you learn how to share content between those and to cross-promote between them in a very specific way that I teach at the Authority Blueprint. And like I said, if someone is a self-starter, 
you can come to the event, you can get your blueprint outline, you can learn all of the tips and tricks that I've mastered over these last several years of doing this, and you can put those to work for yourself. And for anybody who's interested then in you know, long-term coaching and mentorship, uh, I'd be happy to have you in my Authority Academy program too, but you will have enough information at the end of that three-day event to walk away and really build your authority platform. Awesome. So when is it and uh, where is it? Yeah, well, the next one is coming up October 25th, 26th, 27th here in 2019. If you happen to be listening to this podcast episode after that date, and by the way, it's what I love about podcasts is that they're evergreen. Just go to my website and you'll find what other new dates may be available because I do the event twice a year. But right now, the next one coming up is October 25th, 26th, and 27th. And if it's cool with you, Molly, I would like to uh, offer some scholarship tickets to awesome. your tribe. That would be yeah, amazing. so why don't we do that? So like the first five people who sign up through your tribe uh, will get a scholarship ticket and okay. you can attend the event for free. Uh, let's do this. If they go to michaelneely.com slash wildhearts, that sound good? Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll have a special link there for them. Go to that, and then the first five people will actually get a scholarship ticket to the event. And even beyond that, it's not that the event's super expensive anyway, but it can still save you, you know, some money right there if you want to come and be my guest from listening to the show today. Yeah, that's so exciting. And we'll have that link for you in the description. Is that the normal place people go to register, michaelneely.com? Uh, well, you'll find links from there for the normal spot to register, but I'll just create a special one. Anybody who registers, even if it's beyond the first five, if they want to go there to register, they can, they'll be able to find it from michaelneely.com slash wildhearts. Okay. Awesome. That's exciting. I hope you guys attend. You might yeah. see me there if I can make it in October. I'd love really to have you there, Molly. One of the things, speaking of podcasting then that I do at the event is I had these custom made recording booths. And I like to have these set up at the event. And then I invite a bunch of podcasters like yourself to come there and to talk about podcasting and to actually go into the booth and record many interviews with the guests so they can see what it's like, you know, to actually do a, a podcast episode. And so uh, we'll have those booths will be set up so people can get some hands-on experience in the world of podcasting as well. It's pretty That exciting. is so cool. I love yeah. that. Yeah, one of the fun things about this van life gathering sort of world that I've tapped into over the last eight months is how many podcasters there are traveling the country in vans. And some of them are super low production and really casual. And some of them are really on point and brilliant. Um, so it's something that's spreading in every culture, I think, around this country for sure. And I'm sure around the world, it's just an amazing way to share information. So I hope anybody who's listening got a lot out of this. I hope the people who have been asking me how to launch a podcast find their way to this recording I'll be sure to send it out to my people. And just thank you so much for helping me and helping everyone to get the word out in a bigger way about their missions and their movements. It's amazing to have such a brilliant person who's gone before showing people the way to it. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Molly. It's such a pleasure. I love your show. I love what you're up to with it and what you're doing in the world. It's fantastic. And if you don't mind, one other thing I thought that might be easy for the people instead of trying to listen back through to hear all the stuff that we talked about, um, I have a free report that's called the simple five-step process to launch a rock and podcast in 14 days. And I'd be happy to give yes. to anybody who's interested. Yes. We will put the link to that in the description of this episode as well. Perfect. So we'll have that available as well. And so if anybody wants that, they can check it out and it'll give them the written version of a lot of the stuff we talked about. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Michael.
Thank you, Molly. I'm excited. I can't wait to see you in person, hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Tactical Magic. To find out more, please visit our website, wildheartsriseup.com. Be sure to take a second and subscribe to the show and come back next week for another edition of Tactical Magic. Tactical Magic.